I was about uh, eight years old when I first read the Chronicles of Narnia. And ever after that point, I was always looking into the backs of closets, trying to find my way into another world. I don't know if any of you did that too, uh, but I was always disappointed. I always found the back of the closet. And uh, kind of brought me back to reality. But it was a good reality because I knew, even as a child, I knew the symbolism of what was going on in the Chronicles of Narnia. I knew that Aslan represented Christ. And even though I would maybe never meet a real Aslan, one day I would meet a real Christ, Jesus. And, I, and even though uh, maybe Narnia wasn't real, heaven was real. And there was something wonderful about that reality that made me excited and made me want to continue to discover and learn about more about Christ and His kingdom. In The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, uh, Lucy is the first that stumbles into, unknowingly, into a doorway into another world, into Narnia. And when Lucy's brothers and sisters try to confirm her story, they try and their attempt fails. And everyone's kind of frustrated by it. But I want you to know, for centuries, mankind has been trying to do the same thing. We've been trying to step into another world, and our attempts haven't been going too well. You know, on our own effort, we've been trying to reach out to the divine, reach out to God. And you can look back in time to the Tower of Babel. There was a moment man was trying to reach out or search in their, in mankind's search for the fountain of youth. Or even today with the occult. And you can see efforts to step into another world that are either thwarted by God or those efforts are just made in vain. Our desire to be close to God, it isn't wrong. That's a good desire. But most of the time, our means of trying to reach out to God or get to Him, they get all fouled up. They get all fouled up. God desires for us to be close to Him. I want you to know that. But He's made arrangements on His own terms, not our terms. God isn't looking for us to step into His world by our own efforts. In fact, you know from the Christmas story, God decided to initiate the whole thing by stepping into our world. The Bible gives an account of God's announcements, that He was coming, and how He began to prepare the way for His entrance into the world. And today, I just want to share with you a bit of the exciting story, how God was letting us know that He was coming and wanted to get close to us. But to talk about this, there's something that I have to kind of throw in here just to say that's something important that's connected to this idea of God stepping into our world. And this something important is faith. The Bible says in Hebrews 11.6 that without faith, it is impossible to please God. We can't really live the Christian life without faith. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith, Ephesians 2.8 says. 2 Corinthians 5.7 says, we walk by faith, not by sight. What is faith? Somewhere in the beginnings of it all, in the beginnings, there's a decision. There's a decision with your mind and your heart. You decide something if, if something is really so. You decide if something is really true. There are stories that we tell, like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. And we tell stories like this, and we enjoy stories like this, and we tell them to our children. But if you were to ask me, do you believe in Goldilocks and the Three Bears? You know, you would quickly say, no, I don't believe that. There was never bears that made porridge or made beds or made a little house in the woods. That just never happened or could have happened. But if you talk about Jesus and you ask, do you believe 
I would have to respond with a resounding yes. Yes, I believe it is really so. Because there really was a Bethlehem. There really was Mary and Joseph who laid a baby in a manger. There really was a man named Jesus who taught and did miracles. There was a Jerusalem. There really was a cross on a place called Golgotha where Jesus was crucified. There really was a tomb in a garden where he was laid. And Jesus really did resurrect. This isn't once upon a time stuff. This is real stuff. And it's open to investigation. I'm not saying you have to turn off your mind on all this. This is stuff you can't easily dismiss. You can investigate this to see if it's really so. If it's really true. And you can make a decision with your mind about all this. So mentally and with your heart, you make a decision when talking about faith. But there's also something that happens with your body. What we decide mentally makes us act differently. If I think there's something invisible in my path, I will go around it. And people will wonder why I don't make a straight line from point A to point B. And if there's a whole bunch of people that believe this, then they really start to wonder. Because I believe something with my mind and heart, I act upon that with my body. Sometimes people will ask, why did you make that decision? And your response is, well, I'm trying to live by faith, not by sight. You know, there's a song a while ago that came out that kind of expresses the idea of what I'm trying to talk about here with faith. It was this, uh, the first lines of it said, I have decided I'm going to live like a believer, turn my back on the deceiver. I'm going to live what I believe. So in the beginnings of faith, there's a mental heart thing, a deciding that certain things are really so, really true. And then when you decide they're really so, and then you live a certain way on the basis of those decisions and convictions, that's when you have faith. Today in talking about God stepping into our world, it's going to take faith or stepping into faith. So here we go. So we talk about God's announcements and His entrance into this world saying that he wanted to get close to us. Here it is. Do you remember a guy named Jacob in the Bible? He had this dream when he was at Bethel. It's Genesis 28, 16. Jacob was on the run from his brother Esau. He was sleeping out in the open country. And he was sleeping with his head on a rock. Now it's no wonder he had a dream if you're sleeping with your head on a rock. I don't know, maybe he was trying to do the tough guy thing. But uh, in his dream... He saw a stairway to heaven, and on the stairway, angels were ascending and descending. And Jacob got all excited when he woke up from this dream. He said, surely God is in this place. This is like a connection point between man and God. And he thought to himself, you know what? This must be the gate of heaven. I'm going to call this place Bethel, which means house of God. And he set up a monument to mark the spot. And he, from that point on, said that he was going to promise to live his life for God. So, but you know what? God wanted to get closer than that. There was Moses and the tabernacle, which was just basically this giant mobile tent. And God said to Moses, purify the people. I'm moving into your neighborhood. And he gave all these specifications for a mobile home, a giant tent, to be made for him with uh, all these ornate things. And he said, we'll call it the tent of meeting. 
And after the dedication of the tabernacle was made, the glory of the Lord filled that place. And the lights were on, and God was home. Now what if God moved into our town with his mobile home, his RV? What would it be like here? God's presence was made known by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And God was in that holy mobile home RV. And when he moved, the whole camp of Israelites moved with him. Some 600,000 to 2 million people would move with him. He led the people, providing water, clothing, and food called manna that showed up on the ground each day like dew on the grass. So basically all they had to do was like fall out of their tents face first and open their mouths. I mean, how could it get any better? But you know what? God wanted to get closer. He wanted to get closer than that. Then there was the temple in Jerusalem. No longer a mobile home with a mobile people. God set up a permanent location just down the street. And when God's presence entered the temple and a cloud of glory filled that temple in Jerusalem, no one could enter it. It was a special and holy place. There were multiple rules about keeping it special. And if you broke those rules, you died. Anybody who wasn't born a Jew couldn't get into the temple. They could, couldn't get into the courtyard. There was a special extra courtyard on the very outside that if you weren't a Jew and you wanted to worship God, you could go there. But not the inner courtyard or into the temple. Because if you did, you would die. So the Jews felt very special. If you want to worship God, you come to our country, to our town. But you know what? God wasn't satisfied. He wanted to get closer. And in John 1.14 we read, The Word became flesh and lived for a while among us. The one who made the world came to this earth in a manger, being made in the likeness of a baby. The bird who made the nest became the baby hatchling in the nest. And as in Luke 2.52 it says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. God incarnate walked, ate, and shared life with people as Jesus Christ. People could touch him. They could hug him. They could talk to him. They could see him face to face. You couldn't get any closer than this, could you? This is what we celebrate at Christmas, God's gift to us. But I want to let you know that the shadow of the cross was on the baby in the manger. Because he came into this world for a purpose. Because God wanted to get closer, Jesus was crucified. And three days after, he's resurrected. Forty days after his resurrection, at a Jewish celebration called the Pentecost, on that day, God's Holy Spirit came into men, into their hearts, fusing with their spirits. The most holy place on earth now became men and women filled with God's Spirit. You want to look at the holiest place on earth? Just hold your hands out in front of you and look at that. You've become a holy being when the Spirit of God resides in you, when you became a Christ follower. When we become His living Word, His instrument, the Word becoming incarnate in us, He makes us holy and unique. All of this, God getting closer to us, is it because we're so great and wonderful? It's not about us. There isn't anything that we've done that has made us desirable to God. It isn't because, it's, it's all because of what Jesus did at the cross. When we talked about the cross became the mercy seat. His blood, not the blood of, of lambs or goats. He was the Lamb of God, the ultimate sacrifice once and for all for us, our substitute. 
And sin was destroyed there so we can have peace with Him. It's because of what He did. It makes us acceptable. You know, sometimes in, in churches we talk about, yeah, I accepted Jesus, or I'm going to walk up to the front, I'm going to accept Jesus, or I did this and I accepted Him. You know what? Really, we don't need to be concerned about us accepting Him. We need to be concerned about Him accepting us. But I want you to know, because of what He did on the cross, we can be acceptable to God acceptable to Him. It's because of what He did. Let me tell you something else. I know some of you enjoy family coming to stay with you during the holidays. But uh, how would you feel about them staying with you longer than a couple of weeks? For long term? You know, when you hear about the baby in the manger, a child to be born to a virgin, his name is to be Emmanuel, God with us, the Lord isn't planning on a short visit. He's planning on Long-term habitation in His people. And this is how, God, how close God wants to get to us. This is the amazing part of the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ. God stepped into our world so that now through His great promises, we can step into His world. Listen to this from 1 Peter 1.4. Through His glory and goodness, He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by its evil desires. The message, a paraphrase translation, puts it this way. We were also given absolutely terrific promises to pass on to you. Your tickets to participation in the life of God. God wants to get close. He wants us to participate with Him. He wants us to be together. You know, a lot of times I was sharing this with somebody that in the beginning, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit existed eternally. He didn't need us. He was fine. He wasn't lonely. And I picture it as God the Father, and Son, and Holy Spirit kind of in a circle with their arms around each other. And like they're kind of held together, just they're having a great time. And all of a sudden, one of them says, you know what, why don't we open this up? Let's allow some people to join us. And they made a way. God made a way through His, His Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit dwelling within us for them to come and we could join them in that fellowship, the real fellowship of the ring, the real fellowship with God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So here comes the so what. So what, Shannon? What does this message matter? I want you to know that God moving in can make a lot of changes. Just like He changed things for the Israelites. Moving, like, moving in like this, getting close, can dramatically change us from the inside out. There's so much that happens. So much. But I can just tell you just a, a couple of things today. And so I just want to tell you one thing that changes in your life. When God's Spirit comes into your life, when you become a Christ follower, when you receive Christ, his power. When the Israelites went to the battle, the ark, which symbolizes God's presence, went with them. Do you realize that you have a supernatural power that can help you live and do things above the way the world does things in the natural realm? There is a power that is now available because of your relationship as a child in the family of God. Do, you, do we live lives? Do we live lives that reveal Christ's presence in us? You know, after reading the accounts of the Christ followers in Acts, our prayer should be, Lord, may it happen again. It's our time. It's our time for us to stick out and glow in the dark. And it's not because we wear Christian t-shirts. 
but because the power and the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, those things are flowing out of our lives and overflowing and splashing onto other people. Another thing that happens when God gets close and comes into our lives is purity. Some of the places I mentioned earlier, Bethel, the tabernacle, the temple, these were all considered holy places. What made them holy wasn't the materials used for building or because they were dedicated for a special use. They were holy because God was there. Remember Moses in the burning bush? What did God first say to Moses when he approached? He said, take off your shoes, Moses, because you're on holy ground. What was that ground like just a few minutes earlier, earlier before God was not there? It was just plain, ordinary dirt. I'm sorry, I'm spitting, kids. I'm going to have to give you a towel down here. Um, it was plain, ordinary dirt. What made it special, what made it holy, was God's presence. God showed up, and it was holy. You know what? You know where the holiest place on earth is today? It's inside believers, Christ followers. That's the holiest place on earth now. So, if that's the case, if that's the case, how should we live? What kind of people should we be? We should live pure lives. Lives set apart for God. Think of a moment, just for a moment, how we treat our Bibles. These, this physical book, that kind of Bible. Think how you treat it. You never throw it away. You always say, well, don't throw it away. Send it to China. Somebody there needs it. You, know, you don't draw on them. You don't, you know, if you cut your kid and color it in the Bible, you can't do that. You don't rip a page out of it when your kid has a runny nose and use it to wipe their nose with it. You don't do that. You know, when we understand that God's Spirit lives inside of us and that we have power and we realize that we're special and our bodies are not our own, our bodies belong to God, we're not going to abuse that house or that tent or the temple of God. You know, sometimes we wouldn't take a Bible to the places that we go to sometimes. We wouldn't hold it up, wave it around. We wouldn't write some things in the Bible that we say sometimes. You know, sometimes people treat church buildings better than their bodies. You hear the couple talk in the back. You know, Ethel's saying to George, George, don't say that inside the church building. At least wait until we get to the parking lot. <laughs> Hold your tongue. You know? We overeat. We don't sleep enough. We inject. We sniff and hail. We drink things that contaminate our bodies and minds. Some of the movies we watch at home, you wouldn't dare show in a church building or a church gathering, but if you put home, you don't give it a second thought. Maybe we should live differently. God has gotten closer. He's in us. The most holy place on earth. Another thing that happens when God moves in, when God gets close, it's peace. Another thing about God's presence in our lives is that He's brought peace to us. We've been accepted by God through Jesus Christ. I've talked with some people who sometimes share with me these words. I just don't know if I've done enough to make it. You know what? With Christ in us, we live by grace and faith, not fear. The truth is, none of us have done enough. There's no doubt in my mind about that. But Jesus did. You know, when, when you've paid off a mortgage on a house, or, or paid off a car, or a credit card, you know, there's some great excitement about that. Got that paid off, yeah. You don't say, well, I'm going to miss that mortgage payment. You know, maybe, maybe we should just make one more, just for fun. No, you don't say that. Well, the same way, Jesus Christ 
paid off our spiritual mortgage. And he's put the Holy Spirit in us, Spirit in us as an official seal or a stamp saying that we are paid for. We don't come here to a gathering on Sunday morning to earn points. We come here to celebrate what's already been paid on our behalf. It's a celebration. It's a thank you time. I know that the good news of God stepping into our world, getting closer to us, is a thought that's sometimes hard for us to grasp. The wonderful one, mighty God, the counselor, prince of peace, desiring to live within us. And since it's kind of hard to get our arms around this big idea, I just want us to help use, uh, in this moment, our God-given imaginations, just for a moment. I want you to use them. Imagine, imagine how would it be if Jesus himself showed up here and we could really see him. Just imagine. And how would we handle our Sunday gathering here? Maybe we would know that he was coming. And so we would announce it. We'd say, next week, Jesus is going to be here. And we all get excited. Jesus is going to be at our gathering. All right, well, I'm going to invite some friends. Well, the other question is, is, would we recognize him if he came, if he was here, really here? You know, would, would we say, well, it's nice to have you. Hey, Jesus, would you fill out a Connect card? Oh, you don't have time? Well, well we have it on our website. You can, you can fill out a Connect card on the website. You know, I hope we'd be comfortable with Jesus being here. Now, I wonder, would he be the type of person that we would welcome you know, in the Bible, we see it was the religious people that had the hardest time with Jesus. Kind of reminds me of a story of a little guy who was really different. He was trying to get into this church. He just loved being a part, wanted to be a part of this church. But the people at church recognized that he was so different. And this little guy was different. So, and they just kind of kept elbowing him out. And finally, one day, he wasn't getting the message. And so finally, they, they had some guys stand at the front door and said, you're not welcome here because you're so different. And this little guy, he sat down on the steps of the church. They shut the doors on him. And he was kind of crying and weeping, and not understanding why he couldn't be a part. And all of a sudden, Jesus appeared to him and said, Son, what's the trouble? He said, Well, they, they won't let me in. And Jesus said, Don't worry about it. I've been trying to get into that church for years. <laughs> you know, Jesus coming to church, I know some of us would really like order. But hopefully it wouldn't upset our apple cart too much. Well, where is it in the bulletin? I didn't see it in the monthly bulletin that Jesus was coming. We should have known this. Well, maybe we also would maybe think too much about physical preparation. You know, we know, you know the Lord looks at the heart, right? Doesn't, doesn't matter if I wear a tie or not, right? Right? Okay. The religious guys in Jesus' day, they got all dressed up. And Jesus told them they were clean on the outside, but they were filthy on the inside. So maybe, maybe if we knew Jesus was really here, maybe instead we maybe spend a little less time in front of the mirror, but maybe a little more time on heart preparation. Imagine if Jesus was here, where would you sit if you knew Jesus was going to be here? If he was on the front row, would you sit in the very back? How would you sing? If he was here... To stand here and just to receive it. How would you sing to him? Would you, would you get out of your mood? I don't sing. I don't like to sing. But if Jesus was here to receive it, would you? And with Jesus, would Jesus, what would he do? Would he, would he stand there and clap? Thank you. That was wonderful. That was beautiful. Thank you. 
nights in communion time. How would it be when you, when you came to the plate and the cup and you got this strange feeling and, and you looked up and you saw that the hand holding the plate or the cup had a scar on it. And then he looked at you and he said, this is my body. Take and eat it. And he said, this is my blood. Take and drink it. Imagine offering. You know, Jesus did watch offerings from time to time. You know, he, he noticed the widow that gave everything. What if, what if uh, he was standing down at the end 